So we're in this series, and I love this series, and it's finding holiness uh, by uh, pursuing holiness. Uh, how can we be whole in God? Well, it's about holiness and pursuing that. And we're going to talk about these weeks to come. It's pursuing holiness in different areas of our life. And this particular area is one that I think is extremely relevant for us today. And that is godly biblical rest. Anybody here need rest? Can I hear an amen? amen. Where you're exhausted and you're wore out uh, and you're, you're here today and your mind's already going a million miles an hour of all the things you got to get done this week. Uh, it's the treadmill we call life and that's what we're going to talk about today. What does that look like to pursue biblical rest? Because it is such a critical thing. Years ago when I was a kid, I remember this commercial. Some of you probably do too. And it was really big, especially this time of year. Uh, this guy, he's had his old school PJs on. He's sitting on the edge of the bed. And he's got this look like he's just sick. And he looks straight in the camera. And basically he's looking straight at you. And he says, I can't believe I ate the whole thing. Anybody remember that? <laughs> now, I always think of that every Christmas. You're like, I can't believe what I just put my body through what I've just eaten, but it goes so much deeper than that. Think of the moments that you've had the thought and that question, I can't believe. Seriously, think about it. In the last few weeks, how many times have you thought, I cannot believe how crazy the last few weeks have been. And I can't believe it. I can't believe uh, how hard it was to navigate through Christmas and COVID. Anybody else lose their minds? Like, this is what we've always done before, but not anymore. We've got to do it this way. I can't believe how many times Amazon showed up at our house. Anybody go through that one? Cannot believe it. I cannot believe how exhausted I am. And like the entire country, I don't know about you, but probably Wednesday you thought, I can't believe what's going on right now. And in the midst of this uncertainty, if there's ever been a time for us to draw closer to God and look at this biblical principle of rest and why it's so important, it is now. John Ortberg, a lot of you have read his stuff, had a spiritual mentor, and his name was Dallas Willard. Now, Dallas Willard, if you read his stuff, writes a lot on spiritual disciplines, and I'm just going to tell you straight up. It's like C.S. Lewis, you're in the deep end of the pool when you're reading. When people quote Dallas Willard, I'm like, Wow. You're smart, and I'm not. You know, so, but Dallas Willard is profound. And so uh, John Ortenberg said his most memorable conversation, he asked him, his spiritual mentor, he said, I want to draw closer to Jesus. I want to live within the purpose that God has called me. Can you tell me what I need to do? What do I need to do? Don't we all ask, what do I need to do questions? And Ortenberg uh, found out that one of the things that is, I guess, famous for Dallas Willard, he never answers a question quickly. He lets it sit there for a while. And he let it sit there for a while. And his answer was, if you really want to pursue the purpose of the Lord, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. If you're taking notes, write that one down. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Here's a great book uh, you may want to purchase uh, for this year, sometime to read in this regard, uh, that I read called Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John 
Mark Comer, and he wrote that because of that quote. And it's just a really solid book on this craziness that we go through in life and that at times we just think, I'm, I'm losing it. Well, part of it is we don't build in biblical rest. Um, it's hard to believe this started in 1993. This is where the sermon's going to get really spiritual. Around 1993, that Jeff Foxworthy uh, puts out these office, read every day, you might be a redneck if, uh, which, by the way, I love these, okay? So uh, some of you are visiting, now you know, wow, this guy's deep. So anyway, I want to share with you a few of Jeff Foxworthy's observations if you might be a redneck if. If you've ever cut your yard and while cutting your yard found a car, you might be a redneck. That's a good one. If someone asks you for your ID and you show them your belt buckle, you might be a redneck. Now, this uh, hasn't happened recently because of the way we do offering, but back in the old days, remember when they used to pass the plate? So here's what he said. If you've ever made change in the offering plate at church, you might be a redneck. I've seen that happen. And you never see him put a bigger bill in, you know what I'm saying? So anyway, just, just saying. Now, the reason I wanted to share that with you is that's exactly how you need to approach do you need rest, is you might need rest if. You might need rest if. These are some experts on time management, uh, and uh, their name's Rosemary Sward and Philip uh, Zimbardo, and they do a ton of data and research on uh, business fatigue. And so they came up with, here's how you know and they're not even looking at it from a spiritual dimension, but they said, here's how you know you need to build regular times of rest in your life. And number one is, you may need rest if at the checkout line, you're always looking at the one or two lanes to see which one is moving faster. But you do it with an urgency if it's, as if it's one of the lifeboats of the Titanic. I mean, you're just like, I, can't, I can beat that one. Okay, okay, seriously, take a deep breath. Okay, and there are times, matter of fact, have you ever done this? Here's, here's a challenge this week. Let somebody cut in front of you. No way. Yeah, I, I agree. We're pushing the limits today, but, but have you ever had somebody do that? I've had somebody do that for me. I said, oh, man, you only have a handful of items. And I always go, no, I want to be like Jesus. I'd like somebody else to cut. No, no, no. Oh, man, thank you. Okay. That's how you may know, man, I may need to rest. The other one is, you come, you're running late. I know none of you have ever done it. You're running late, Heather. Anyway, you're running late, <laughs> and you come to a stoplight, and you quickly gaze, and you're putting a strategy together like a pit stop at the Indy 500. You're like, this guy's slow. She's slow. He's pretty fast. You know, so, no, take a deep breath. You're going to get where you're going. Now, here's a big one. It's if you're multitasking to the point one of the important tasks, you completely forget what it was. You're walking around like, this is really important. I wish I remember what it was. Okay, we can laugh, but that's when you know, you know what, I may need to slow down. Like, I'm in a hurry all the time. And honestly, that's not the way God wants us to be. Matter of fact, seriously, here's how you know you need biblical rest. Irritability you begin really taking it out, not on the people that you work with. You take it out on the people that you love. Workaholism. You just start putting more hours into 
the work week. Um, this is pretty interesting. So in 1967, there was a Senate subcommittee that met, and uh, they, they were really concerned because of the advancement of technology. Because around 67, if you remember, they were uh, right on the final stages of sending a man to the moon. They were pretty impressed with themselves, okay? So they had these cultural experts saying, because of technology, now listen to this, uh, because of technology, we estimate that by 1985, there will be a crisis. The average American will only be working 22 hours a week. So there's going to be 27 hours of leisure every week because of technology. Now, let me just say straight up, they got that wrong. <laughs> Did they not? Because what does technology do? Does that create less work? No, not at all. We just add on and add on, and there is a price to be paid. Uh, I heard somebody say one time, uh, a business guy said, I would rather burn out than rust out. And the guy said, yeah, but either way, aren't you out? And we don't want to be out. Uh, there's emotional numbness. Now, I'm going back a few years, but there was a famous album by Pink Floyd, uh, Another Brick in the Wall, and there was a song title I absolutely love, Comfortably Numb. We get comfortably numb. We begin to uh, give ourselves into escapist behaviors. Now think about that. And that's where you go from bad habits to eventually addictions in life when you never slow down. And then here's a big one is isolation. You may be working all the time, but in essence, your relationship with God is drying up and you begin to feel isolated. These are the latest statistics during the COVID season that are, uh, should shake us all up. And again, this comes from, uh, it's a group called U.S. Facts, and they said that uh, they're finding 37% of all the people surveyed now are saying they feel helpless. Now listen to this. They feel helpless over 50% of the time. This isn't a random thought or two. Half of their entire day, they feel helpless. Okay. Which, by the way, is why the church has to be on the front lines of mental health, and the church needs to be on the front lines of dealing with counseling issues, uh, because I'm telling you, we are going to see a tsunami of folks so broken over what they've been through these last few months. We need to be right there to help. Um, isolation. John Mark Comer, and he wrote this book, interestingly enough, that I mentioned before COVID. But I want you to I want you to listen to why he wrote the book, because this paragraph, I can tell you, I've been here. Uh, even this last year, I've been here, and I'm like, this guy just described what I was feeling. My guess is some of you felt the same way. Here's what he said. I felt like a ghost, half alive, half dead, more numb than anything else, flat and one-dimensional. Emotionally, I live with this undercurrent of nonstop anxiety that rarely goes away and a time of sadness, but mostly I feel spiritually empty. You been there? That's not the place we want to be, but what's sad is Christians go through this and they don't talk to other people. They feel like if I go to a counselor, that's admitting I've got an issue, folks go to a counselor. We don't talk to our friends because we're afraid they're going to look down on us. Talk to your friends. Because this is very real. And seek Sabbath rest. 
How can I be in the presence of the Lord on a consistent basis so that I can listen to him, truly listen? What do I mean when I even say Sabbath? Well, if you've got your scriptures in Exodus chapter 20, Moses is preaching and uh, not preaching. He's bringing down the Ten Commandments, okay? And as he brought down the Ten Commandments, it's interestingly, uh, the longest commandment uh, is found in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. Isn't that interesting? So it's all, all these commandments about thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt love the Lord with all your heart. I mean, he's got these amazing, do not uh, have uh, covet. I mean, but the longest one is this one, starting in verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it what? Holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord, your God, and on it you shall not do any work. Neither you, nor your son, or your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, uh, anybody, even a foreigner residing with you in the towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea, and that in them he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. What does Sabbath mean? It's the Hebrew word Shabbat, and it means stop. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a hard time stopping. Because even in the midst of slowing down, I'm still, my mind is going and going. And if you haven't, some of you here that have ADHD tendencies, which I'm rumored to have some of those, you know that your mind just is spinning all the time and spinning all the time. And to actually stop is one of the most difficult things to do. And yet it's how we can draw closer to the Lord. What is true Sabbath? It's asking these questions. Is it restful and is it worshipful? And everybody seeks rest a little differently. And everybody seeks worship a little differently. We don't go to church on a Sunday morning and check it off and go, I've completed the old Sabbath list right there. No, it isn't. I wish it was that easy. Sabbath is so much more than that. It's seeking the Lord so that we can experience his presence. Philippians 4, 7, this peace transcends understanding. That's what we want. I had a conversation this week that uh, had just stuck with me, but I went um, as a meeting with Tobin Wingard, and he was showing me his new office, and, and uh, about that time, Joanne Pazanisi, some of you know Joanne, uh, came in. I haven't seen her in months. Her and John both uh, went through uh, COVID, and very seriously, Joanne is still really weak. And so she was sharing with me, you know, what that experience has been like. But she said, John, you know, it's interesting, uh, and Joanne is such a student of the Word. She goes, you know, it's interesting when you study the Hebrew culture, and especially this started during the wandering, the 40 years of wandering, which is, by the way, when the Ten Commandments was written. She said they learned that when they were going through these really difficult times in life, you don't ask God what. Uh, you really seek out not what you need to do to get out of the wandering. You ask God, what do I need to learn from you? Huge difference. Because, see, when we're going through hard times, it's like, God, what do I need to do to get out of this? Because i got to get out of this. Whereas the real question is, God, in the midst of this pain and suffering and this time of rest, I have time to ask you this really tough question. What are you trying to teach me right now? Because he's always trying to teach us something, isn't he? Always. And if we are not intentional, we don't hear him. We drown it out. We do that all the time, don't we? 
that we're, we should be listening, and instead we drowned out. I may have shared this, but this was years ago, and I'm, so, I'm such a better man now than I was. But Marie and I were dating uh, very seriously, you know, like, like I knew she was the one. She didn't know it yet, but I knew this is the woman I'm going to marry. And uh, we were driving up to her folks' house and family. And anyway, uh, the town I was at, the high school team, was marching towards the state championship. I mean, this is a big game, okay? So I'm, I'm listening to it on the radio, and it's the old AM, and it's cutting out really bad. And we're right in the middle of a really intense conversation, like one of those you-need-to-hear-every-word conversations. And Marie asked this really intense question, and I paused, and I started playing with the radio. I said, let me get back to that. I think he just scored. And for some reason, that didn't go over well. Um, maybe some of you have been there. Don't we do that with God all the time? There's all this noise, and God's trying to get through the, the noise, and we're like, God, I'll listen to you later. That's what Sabbath does. It cuts out the noise and says, no, you're going to listen to me now. And the sad thing is, sometimes we just got to get the snot kicked out of us before we listen. We're like, oh, now I'll listen. Okay. Uh, that's what Sabbath is. It's being very intentional. Now, fast forward, and you should always look at Jesus. How did Jesus feel about the Sabbath? Well, there's a, an interesting story um, that we're going to get to where Jesus, uh, if you remember, there's a very incredible story where Jesus, uh, with his disciples, healed somebody on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees are outraged. What are you doing? You can't heal somebody on the Sabbath. We have a lot of regulations. It's one of the Ten Commandments. And by the way, we've done a lot of work on it since Moses. Let me tell you how much work they had done. This is unbelievable. By the time of the, uh, the, the Ten Commandment was issued, that commandment about the Sabbath, by the time you get to the life of Jesus, the religious leaders had 39 separate categories of things you couldn't do on the Sabbath. 39 categories. Uh, things that you could not carry, things you couldn't burn, things you couldn't cook, things you couldn't plant. You were not allowed to write. You were not allowed to purchase. 39 categories of laws and regulations. Boy, aren't you glad we're not weighted down by regulations today? I'm glad we don't live in that world. No, of course we live in that world. And here they are, they took something that was supposed to be Sabbath created for man, not man for the Sabbath. I mean, the Sabbath is for us to be in the very presence of the Lord. And Jesus cuts through all of that and says, are you out of, this is translate, are you out of your mind? This man needs to be healed and you're worried about one of your regulations? Even David and his men went into the temple and ate some of the showbread because they were hungry. Now why? Because that was a necessity at the moment. This is a necessity. You care more about the law and the regulation than you care about what? People. That is wrong. That's what I love about Jesus. Jesus just wants us not to memorize a law. He wants to see this is for you. This is to help you to draw closer to the Lord. And we all need to draw closer to the Lord. Jesus said this about being in his presence uh, Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden 
is light. Listen to the message. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So when Jesus says, my yoke is light, that yoke, as you know, is what they use. The, they put on oxen or they put them on, on animals to help them with the farm. Yeah. And so it's interesting that Jesus is saying with the yoke is like you're going to have a yoke in life. You're going to carry a burden, but it will be much lighter if you're right with me. Matter of fact, your work will be enjoyable if you're right with me. It'll feel light because you're in my presence. Jesus wants to do that for all of you. Some of you today may be on the edge. Like this last year, if you're like me, <laughs> uh, were you... Were you ready for 220 to just like end? Am I the only one? Remember, I had an idea. I, I didn't want to send it in to the mayor of New York because I didn't think it'd go over, but here's my idea. Is everybody there when the ball dropped, give everybody like a big rock and just pelt that ball. Just throw and destroy it. And I didn't think it'd go over, but I, I think all of us had that feeling. Of, I just want the year to end. I'm ready for a new year. But really more important than a new year, that's turning the calendar it's, Lord, what new thing are you trying to teach me as I go into this year to draw into your presence? Walter Adams said this, and he was a mentor of C.S. Lewis, and he wrote this in the 1940s, but see if it doesn't sound like today. He said, to walk with Jesus is to walk with slow, unhurried pace. Hurry is the death of prayer and only impedes and spoils our work. Don't get in a hurry. Don't get in a hurry. Ephesians 5.16 in the King James says, we are called to redeem the time because the days are evil. Every day matters. Redeem the time. That word redeem practically means that we are to take inventory as we pursue the Sabbath. Uh, to redeem is to restore. It is correcting a past wrong. And in that restoration, we can actually be better than we were before. We need to redeem time. We need to cherish the time that we have. And it's interesting that word time that's used there is not the way we use the word time. We use the word time measured by calendars and our watches and our phones. That's not the time here. The time here is the treasured cherished time. Invest in what matters most. Redeem the time. Cherish your time. Invest in the things that matter to God. And what matters to God? Sabbath rest. That you intentionally and I intentionally find ways to reconnect with God uncluttered. Here's a great idea. Do you know they actually have uh, safety deposit type boxes for your phones now? that people will put their phones in there and lock it up. It won't let you in for at least an hour because people are saying, I'm so addicted, I can't pull away from it. But well, we need to pull away from the distractions of life and draw closer to God on a regular basis. Cherish your time. 
Uh, Heather Richardson, if you go online, you can check this out. And it's something I started uh, the start of this year. And it's an app that I'm going to pull up here. You guys can see this. And it's called One Second a Day. And all you do is you just shoot a video clip and you can trim it down to a second to two seconds. And it will file it free of charge. It'll file it for you on your calendar. And then at the end of the year, you can literally see your entire year in about six minutes. And it's a second a day. And here's why I like it. It is a reminder of how fleeting life is and how, how valuable those memories really are. I, I really wish I'd had this my entire life, that I could just go back and see, wow, those are the things in life that I need to cherish. And that time with God is priceless time. The unplugged Sabbath time that you have with the Lord and how you pursue that is the way God wired you. And here's what I mean. Anybody that tells you, here's exactly what I mean by how you need to find Sabbath time, be careful. Because they may be wired totally different than you. All of you connect with God and find peace, peace with God in different ways. All of us do. But whatever that way is, really prayerfully pursue that so that you can hear God. Allow God's word to be a part of the experience because his word will begin to feed us what we really need to know. So I want to share with you a few years ago, and especially in 2020, this is the best purchase I made. Okay, ready? Here it is. It was only 50 bucks. It was the Indiana State Park Annual Pass. And I'll tell you why that was the best. And we live about five minutes away from McCormick's Creek. Now, I had already bought the pass the year before for a few months, and I loved it so much. I mean, Jan I got it this year, January 2nd. I'm in there, and I bought the pass. But this year, I can't even... I can't even put in the words what that has meant. I can't tell you how many times, honestly, I thought I was going to lose my mind, and I'm like, I'll just go for a walk. There were times Marie and I would walk, we'd pick a trail. There's other times I took the dog. That was always a good time. Uh, go for a walk. And I don't know how many times I just go by myself. I'd get out in the woods, and I would just be with God. Like, God, um, what do I need to learn today? What is it I need to do today? What conversations do I need to have? What what do I do? Because I've never been here. Nobody's ever been through anything like this. But Lord, just be with me. And I can tell you, I cherish those times. And if you don't have those times, man, I want to encourage you, find those times. Find those times in the way that God draws closer to you and make that like, I'm going to do that time after time because I want to be in the presence of God. I want to feel Sabbath rest because out of that rest, I will find this new life in me that God always intended for us to have. In just a few moments, we're going to have communion. If you're visiting with us, we break bread together as a church family every week. And Heather's going to be singing a song, and it is so appropriate for what we're talking about today, but it's also appropriate for communion. Uh, because we need to breathe during communion. Uh, I don't know about you, but when you get stressed out, it's hard to breathe. Uh, it's hard to breathe through these masks. Can I have an amen? Yeah. <laughs> but breathe. And when we learn to breathe, we begin to identify how crazy life is. Uh, this song that Heather's going to sing, let me just read one of the lyrics. I love this. The alarm clock is screaming. Bare feet hit the floor. It's off to the races, everybody out the door. I'm feeling like I'm falling behind. It's a crazy life. 
90 miles an hour, going as fast as I can, trying to push a little harder, trying to get the upper hand. So much to do in so little time, it's a crazy life. It's ready, set, go. It's another wild day when the stress is on the rise and my heart, I feel you say, just breathe. Just breathe. Come, rest at my feet and just breathe. Chaos calls, but all you really need is to breathe. As we break the bread and drink the juice this morning, breathe. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, life is just speeding by at an alarming rate. And there's confusion all around us. And we live right now in a world that just seems chaotic, which is why we need you. And we need to be in your presence. And we need to breathe. And we need to allow your spirit to move. Thank you for this time that we can break bread, we can drink the juice, that we can remember that you have taught us what matters most in life. How to prioritize our life is to draw closer to you. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.